You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, One Thing. Enjoy. Uh, you know, where did the idea of spas come from? Anybody know? Well, do you know that God wants you to relax? Do you know that He wants you to be refreshed? That He wants His presence to sink through your pores and to be coming out of your pores and he wants your skin to be fresh and, and, and uh, fully moisturized. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I think it's in Job 34. Uh, in chapter 33 of Job, a young man by the name of Elihu begins to speak. And he's the only one in Job that's not rebuked. But he begins be speaking on behalf of God. And he says, if only there were a mediator between God and man. This is before Jesus. If there were a mediator between God and man that could impart to man God's righteousness, his flesh would become fresher than a child's. He'd return to the days of his youth. God wants to renew your youth. Isn't that amazing? What a tiny little box religion has put God in. He's really not in there. What I should say is what a tiny little box religion has put people's thinking in. They have this tiny little picture of God, tiny little picture of God that really doesn't apply to every area of my life. Maybe going to heaven, maybe, but that's about it. But I want you to know God covers every pore of your skin. Every pore of your skin. Every cell and tissue and organ and system of your body. This is a gospel for the whole person. Spirit, soul, and body. It's never been otherwise. It's the gospel for the whole person. We're going to start a message today called One Thing. And what we're going to do is exalt the person of Jesus. We're going to magnify Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you to do something for me. If it's your first time at Highway Church, your first time here, anyone at all, just wave your hand in the air. Is it first time? No first timers? Okay. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you've been here twice, three times, uh, we're so glad you're here. We want you to do something. We want you to remove any religious paraphernalia that you may have, like religious goggles or religious earbuds, anything that would keep you from simply believing in, the, in the, the amazing God that we serve. Anything that would limit your thinking about Him, we're going to ask you to, to push that off to the side and simply take God at His word. He's more wonderful than you could ever imagine. And He loves you more than you could ever hope for. Who, who, who would ever think that God would allow you to miss out on the best that he has for you? What would make you think that you're on the outside looking in and that you can't get close to him and that there's some special thing that you'll never be able to obtain to, to, to know him and, and that you're disqualified? Christ has come to qualify you and bring you close to your father, so close that you know exactly what to do, exactly where to go, exactly when to do it, and how to do it. He's come to be your light in the midst of this dark world. So we're going to exalt the person of Jesus, and that's kind of maybe a term It's like, what does that mean? We say magnifying Jesus. We know that when we magnify something, uh, whether you do it on your phone or, or your laptop or with a magnifying glass, what it does, it doesn't change the size of what you're looking for, but it changes the vision you have of what you're magnifying. So God is, is more majestic than, than, than we can ever put into words. He's bigger than any issue we face. But it's, it, it's very easy to slip into a small, a small thinking about him. If you're not cultivating an attitude of praise and worship on Monday morning. Right When you come in here, we, there's an atmosphere of praise. And I love hearing so, uh, so many different people over the months have said, oh, when I step foot in this door, there's just something going on here. There's an atmosphere. There's an expectation. There's a presence here, and I want to be a part of it. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's ministering to every age. But you want to cultivate this worship in your daily life. And it, it's, it's as simple as saying no to fearful thoughts, Denying anxiety any time 
on your station and opening up your mouth and beginning to praise him. See, when I say, Jesus, you are the shepherd of my life, I shall not lack because you're providing and caring for me. I'm magnifying him. Your mouth is your magnifier, right? Now, he's not getting any bigger, but he's becoming more real to me. Who he is is getting bigger in, in, in my uh, consciousness, right? In my perception. And, it's, and we use figures of speech and terms, and it's okay, but we say, you know, I, the, the presence of God is here. Well, God is always there. He never goes away. What changes is our awareness of his presence. You can be fully aware of his presence every day. But you have to train yourself to be aware of his presence. His, he's not like 50% here now and 25% tonight and 12% tomorrow and then on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., 100%. He's always there in his full, the full person of God, if you put your faith in Christ, is living inside of you. You're never alone. You're never without the full presence of the one who made you. But you have to cultivate that awareness, and you have to do that to yourself. No one can do it for you. You have to give him your attention, and you have to speak what he says about you and what he says about himself. So when you get up on Monday morning, and it's, it's a, you know, just another manic Monday, as the old song used to go back in the 80s, just another manic Monday. No, it's not. This is a new day with the loving kindness of you, Father, washing over me. And you've gone before me into this Monday, and you've prepared things for me. You've caused, you, you've, you've rearranged things just for me. You've, you've moved on people's hearts. You've, you've moved in situations and circumstances before I ever got up today. And you are, you are causing me to be at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things. That's magnifying the Lord. Now, it's true whether I say it or not, but when I say it, it, it becomes clearer to me and it becomes a reality to me. Okay? So we're going to exalt Jesus during our time together. Knowing Jesus is the one thing that changes everything. Not knowing about Him, knowing Him intimately. Knowing Him personally, in your own heart, with your own mind, and your own mouth. It's the one thing that changes everything. Listen, in Jesus, you will find the solution to every issue of life, without exception. He is literally the answer for every issue you've ever faced or could ever face. He's the answer for every problem. He's the provision for every need of your life. For every need, past, present, and future, He's the answer for every problem you have. He's the provision for every need you have. He is the destiny you're longing for. He's the future you hope for. He's the fulfillment of your destiny. In fact, living life on this earth, our life, the reason we're made is really all about Him. And if your thought process is not all about Him yet, change that. Because you can't begin living the abundant life he came to give you until his presence, his love for you, your thoughts are all his. In other words, you're giving him your thought life. So this now belongs to him, this territory. What goes on in my, my mind, my soul, my emotions belong to him now. I give him every emotion I give him every response to every situation. We're training our soul to experience him more every day. That's what we're doing. As much as he loves you and wants to, to blow your mind, we have to choose daily to think on him and to speak with our own mouths out loud to ourselves about him. Okay? Now, this is rather obvious, but all of us people in general are searching for answers, right? They're looking for answers to their lives. Well, Jesus is that answer. 
religious tradition, unfortunately, has robbed people of experiencing that answer. But Jesus, the person of Jesus, is the answer that people are looking for. They just don't know it. Believing that God exists will not help anyone. Believing that God exists won't help you. That's like me believing there's a chair over there. It's obvious that the existence of God is the most obvious of all realities. Believing that He exists won't help you. Believing that He's the answer to your problem will. Knowing that He is what I'm looking for, that He's the answer to every issue of my life, that will help you. Knowing that He's for you with every ounce of His being, that He is the provision for every need of your life, that in Him is the destiny your heart longs for, that will help you. Look at John, actually let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Listen, we like to de-religify words at Highway Church. I got a lot of words religified in my life growing up, like believing and faith. And faith was this kind of general thing that really didn't do anything for you that, yeah, God's out there somewhere, and, you know, I basically believe that. <clears throat> That's not going to help you at all. Faith, Bible faith, is being sure and certain of who he is and what he's done for you. I'll say that again. Bible faith, as far as Bible is concerned, people can define faith how they want to, but as far as God is concerned, faith is being absolutely sure of how much he loves you. There's nothing general or unspecific about faith. There's nothing random about it. It's very specific. It's, it's high definition, uh, high resolution, God's promises fulfilled in my life. Faith is being sure and certain. When I say I believe in God, I'm saying I'm sure and certain that He is all that He says He is. He's done all that He's done, and I am who He says I am. I have what He says I have. I can do what He says I can do. That's what believing in God is. It's not believing that He exists. Get that thinking out of your mind. When I say I believe God, that means I believe He's my healer. I believe He's my salvation. I believe He's my strength. I believe He's my wisdom. I believe He's my uh, security and my safety, my protection. I believe He's my provision. I believe He's my sanctification. That's what believing in God is all about. So anytime you read the word faith in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about some general uh, feeling or hope. It's talking about a very specific confidence in the person of God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith, without a, a very specific confidence in God, who He is and what He's done for you, it's impossible to please Him. Wow. See, man's religion tells you you shouldn't presume upon God. You shouldn't expect that He's going to do something. You shouldn't come him, that's arrogant coming to God expecting and being sure and certain of what He's done in your life. No, it's not, it's faith exactly what it is. And without that confidence, it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because He wants to show Himself to you. He wants to meet your needs greater, with, with a greater provision in a greater way than you've imagined. So it's frustrating to God when we don't come to Him with assurance and confidence. When we listen to the wrong ideas people have of God and come to Him with these wrong ideas, it, 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 it's frustrating to Him. He's saying, don't you realize how much I love you? That I gave everything I could give so that you could come to me without shame, without hindrance, at any time, day or night, with total confidence and receive everything you need from me right now. That's what pleases him. He wants you to know that. 24-7. He wants you to know whatever age you are, whether you're uh, 14 or 84, whatever situations you're facing, whatever needs you have, He's your answer. That pleases Him. Because it's true. Truth pleases Him. Insecurity, depression, anxiety, these are things that are not from Him. So He wants us to be free from them, and the answer to every one of those things is confidence in His love for you. Confidence in His person and what He's done for you. Without this confidence in who he is and what he's done, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe. Now, I don't know what translation you have. 
Um, we talk about Bible translations. Uh, the Bible in the New Testament was written in Greek. And in the, in the Old Testament in Hebrew, there are many different English translations. You'll find errors in all of them. Some are more accurate than others. But uh, as there are, there are literal translations, uh, like word-for-word -word translations, they call them, like the, the New King James, the New American Standard. Now, the King James is a literal translation, but it's got a lot of lingo that we don't use anymore. And sometimes the way it says things in certain translations is a little confusing. Okay? I don't know what translation you have, but there are some translations that just absolutely miss this. The King James gets it right here and says that uh, those that come to God must believe that He is. If you have a translation that says that He exists, that doesn't make any sense. That's wrong. That's not what the Greek says. It says believe that He is. What does it mean? That He is who He says He is. That He is the answer to your problems. That He is the I Am. Not that He exists. Nowhere in the Bible does He even talk about proving He exists. That's a that's the most obvious of all obvious, right? So that's an error, and, and that shows you sometimes how the, the Bible translations were so ignorant, Bible translators were so ignorant of him. They were just ignorant of who he is and what he's done, and they just, you know, well, that must mean he exists. It's amazing. Man can be so, quote, unquote, educated and so ignorant of God. The education you need is not man's formal education, but the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for you. You get that, you've got everything. You get that, you've got everything. We've exalted formal education. It's not the answer to your life. I know a whole bunch of formally educated people are living miserable lives. Miserable lives. And they thought formal education was the solution, and it wasn't. If that's something that you need to fulfill your destiny in the field God's called you in, then you do that and you follow him and he'll bless you through it all. And he'll provide the best for you. And he'll see to it you get everything you need to be the, the person he's called you to be. But it's not your answer. It's not our answer. We exalt Jesus, the person of Jesus. Knowing him is the answer to everything. Isn't that funny that, that we should have to say that? How that's been pushed aside and buried under tradition. And wrong thinking. Knowing him is the Your answer is in relationship with him. The answer you need is found in seeking him. It is. If you knew he was, his answer, he was your answer, you'd be seeking him. You'd be talking to him. You'd be worshiping him. You'd realize I don't have to go anywhere or do anything. I just need to hear from him. I just need to hear from him because he's my answer. So what is it? We must believe that he is who he says he is. Speaking of Bible translations, I want to encourage you to get a word-for-word -word translation in English. New American Standard is commonly agreed on being the most accurate. I, I've, I've used many different English ones. I currently have a King James. I just like the poetic way it says things sometimes and some of the strong English in it. But I recommend New American Standard, New King James. Those are two literal translations. There are a lot of paraphrase translations out there. And they paraphrase is when the translators take what it's saying in the Greek and try and put it into words uh, of, with modern-day vernacular, modern-day words. And I like paraphrases. Um, I've, I, what I do is I usually reference about 20 or 30 different literal and about 20 or 30 different paraphrases. And I, I learn a lot that way. So, but you, like the message translation is a paraphrase. Okay, But don't have a paraphrase as your main study Bible. Get the, get the word for word in you. And let the paraphrase supplement that. Okay? It'll help you tremendously. So believe that he is, that he is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he did, that you are who he says you are, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's confidence, isn't it? You come to him knowing you are my answer, you are my provision, you're my healer, and you are a rewarder of me. You reward and bless and prosper me. This pleases him. It's not arrogance. It's what he wants from you. He wants you to be so confident of his love for you, so confident of what he's done for you, that you know it all the time. 
that you won't listen or say anything contrary to it. So when I become convinced that he's my answer, I go after him. I make decisions to bring him to the center of my life. If he's not in the center of my life, it's just because I'm not convinced that he's who he says he is. When you realize who he really is, it's like there's no options. Okay, you're everything I've been looking for and so much more. Here's the center of my life. I give that to you. I give you my full attention. Reveal yourself to me. He becomes our focus. Why would we ever think there's someone or something else that can satisfy us more than him? Why would we ever even think that? That there's something in this world or someone in this world that could ever do more for us or satisfy us or thrill us or bless us or, or um, move us forward or cause us to be successful more than him. Why would we ever think that? Is there? Of course not. No one loves you like he's, he does. No one's done for you what he's done. I love how Jesus said it in John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way. <laughs> I'm the one you're looking for. Love that. Have you ever been lost? I'm notorious for it when I'm driving. Trying to go to Rhode Island, I end up in Connecticut. Rhode Island's so small, you just miss an exit. You miss the whole state, you know. <laughs> I am the way. I'm your GPS. <laughs> I am the, I'm your navigation through life. I'm your navigational system. Let me show you what your future holds. You know, your own parents don't know this. God does. Now, thank God if you've got a mom and dad who are spirit-filled and seeking God, then things are a little different. They can see things about your future. They can know things about your destiny before you were even born. But there are deep things inside of you that only God knows. No one else can tell you. No one else can reveal to you but the one who made you. Don't go through life missing out on that. Get alone with him and talk to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that's good, isn't it? Our search is over, isn't it? Hallelujah. Our search for the answers to our issues is over. It's Jesus. I'm so glad. It's over. Right? We know our answer. We know the answer to our problems. It's Him. All we need to do now is spend time with Him and hear from Him. So we can get the specifics on our situation. Right? That's all we need. We've got the answer. We don't have to go anywhere or do anything. We just need to sit and listen to Him. Hallelujah. In verse 7, he said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. You know God now. You know him. He's your best friend. He's the answer to your dreams. He's the fulfillment of your destiny. He's the one who made you and loves you and knit you together in your mother's womb. He's the one who made you a masterpiece. To know him is to love him. To know him is to realize how much he loves you. To believe in him is to pursue him. If I'm not pursuing him, I don't believe in him. So many people walk around and say, I believe in Jesus, but they're not pursuing him. If you're not pursuing him with everything you've got, you don't believe in him. You believe in something else, but not him. Because when you believe in who he is, you start running. It's like, I've got to have more of him every day. There's no one like him anywhere. I've got to have him. When you know him, everything else loses its 
shine and glimmer and draw. It's funny, I read something recently about a, a worship leader who said he's um, walking away from the Christian faith. And I thought, how sad. Because he, he's accurate in what he's saying. He's walking away from a Christian, a Christian idea of religion, is what he's really saying. He didn't say, I'm walking away from the person of Christ. Because when you know him, there's no, you walk away, are you kidding me? Why would I ever leave him? So in other words, it reveals how he's thought all these years. He had a religion. He had a quote-unquote Christian faith, which is not a Christian faith at all. See, we're, we're not interested in, in, in coming into a tradition and learning good principles of moral behavior and then being, you know, and then uh, living a disciplined life and becoming, you know, uh, good citizens in our community. That's not why we're here. We're here to experience God. We're in an intimate, vibrant relationship with the person of God. But, but a lot of, uh, of history in the church has turned, turned what's supposed to be a relationship into this moral club, a club of morality. Right? You come in here and we'll teach you what's right and wrong, and then you go out and live what's right and wrong in society and, and be a good citizen. Listen, that doesn't work because you're not strong enough to live the life God called you to live apart from Him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't live a righteous life without the Holy Spirit. I can't. He's my righteousness. So someone talks about walking away from the, the Christian faith. Well, they're walking away from a religious tradition. When you know the person of God, You'll never want anyone or anything else more. Are you there? Have you come to that point where you're experiencing the person of God? I'm telling you, you go to church 20 years and never do it. You just get caught up in the culture of your church. Get with him in your private life and say, God, reveal yourself to me. I refuse to settle for anything less than your person in my life. I want to taste you. I want to eat you. I want to, to walk with you and run with you. I want who you are flowing through every facet of my person. Hallelujah. When I'm convinced of him, my actions change. Too many people try and change their actions, but they're not convinced of him. And that's a dead end, right? When I'm convinced of how much he loves me and how good he is and what he's done for me, I, my actions correspond to that, right? Look what Jesus said about him. I love this. We're exalting him. He said, uh, let's see, John chapter 6, verse 28 the people come to him. Now, he had just uh, miraculously provided food for thousands of people, which is a very significant expense. And he did it supernaturally by faith in his father. And they want to know how this guy does what he does. And they say, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And look what Jesus says to him. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe on him. So see, believing on him is you doing the same thing. You see that? Believing on him translates into actions and miracles and works. We serve the God of miracles. When you believe in him, you'll see miracles in your life. Don't settle for anything less than supernatural manifestations of his promises in your life. We need miracles. We're made for them. We were never made to be broken and, 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 and confused and depressed. We need the miraculous power of God in our lives every day. Hallelujah. This is the work of God that you believe that He is what He says He is, that He's done what He said He's done, and that you are who He says you are. Look at a few verses later. In verse 35, he says this. This is some bold God statements. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Well, to do the works of God, believe on me. 
Put your confidence in me. He says, I'm the bread of life. I think bread's probably, I mean, good bread is probably one of my favorite things. Good, well-made, wholesome bread. Not that stuff that, that sticks to the roof of your mouth. That wonder bread is no, I don't know what that is. That's, it's like, I don't know, gum gone bad or something. <laughs> I like bread that's, that's when, you, when you chew into it, it you can just uh, it sink into that bread and chew it. and It's, it's, it's got substance. I'm the bread of life. I'm the food you've been looking for. I am the one who will satisfy you. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. You see, what believing is, it's coming to him. It's eating him. It's grabbing a hold of his promises. It's refusing to settle for anything less than who he is and what he's done for me. A little later in that same chapter, verse 47, he says, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread. I am that bread that when you eat me, you get life that's nonstop. I'm the bread that removes death from you. I'm the bread that removes sickness from your body. I'm the bread that gives you wisdom and insight into your situation to make the decisions you need to make to win. I'm the bread that provides joy that's not from this world. I'm the bread of life, the everlasting bread that produces heaven inside of you. Isaiah said this about Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 6, says, For unto us, or for us, is a better way to understand that. For you, a child is born. For you. God gave a son. This is really John 3.16 is what this is. For you, a child is born. God so loved you, he gave his son. Unto us, a son is given, and the government, the authority of heaven, is upon his shoulders. His name, that represents his nature, right? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, some translations put a comma here, and some don't. Because in the Greek, or Hebrew, excuse me, there are no commas or punctuation like we have. But that, that, that literally says, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This word wonderful in English we're translating comes from the Hebrew word miracle. Wonder. Blow your mind. He shall be called the blow your mind counselor. The wonder counselor. The miracle giver. We're exalting him. The mighty God who can do anything. The mighty God who's, who's perfect in power. The everlasting father. That means all the time he loves you as a father, loves his child. Now I had to learn what that was because I didn't have that growing up. I had to learn what a real father is all about. So if you haven't had that, learn from him. He'll show you what a real father is all about. Even if you haven't had a biological father to love you as a father should, he'll love you like that and teach you what a father is. Learn that from him. The everlasting father. He never takes a day off. Bill Belichick would love him. No days off for God. Right? No days off. Hey! He's the no days off father. He's never tired of you. He always has time for you. He always has money in his pocket for you. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince, the initiator, the author of peace. What's that word in Hebrew? Shalom. What does shalom mean? Wholeness. He's the prince, the author, the initiator of wholeness, of prosperity. Verse 7 says, The increase of the government, of his government, and his peace, his wholeness and prosperity, this shall be, there shall be no end. Put the message translation up there. Message translation, same verse. There will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. That's my father. 
Look at that. Read it. Eat it. There will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. That's the gospel. He came that you would be limitlessly whole. There are no limits to the wholeness he brings. Don't limit the wholeness he wants to bring into your life. There, that, that word also means prosperity. There are no limits to the prosperity he brings. That's what the word means. Dereligify that word peace. It's a tangible wholeness. It's a real prosperity. There are no limits to the wholeness and the prosperity that he has provided for you and that he brings into your life when you start to chew him. When you take big bites of him all day long. Religion can't talk like this. This freaks religion out. That's what they got mad at Jesus when he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's it. We can't. This guy's nuts. He knows he's the bread of life. He's just saying, you've got to eat me. You've got to take who I am, get it on the inside of you, and let me nourish you. I'm the nourishment your spirit, soul, and body need. I'm the nutrients that will unlock your future. (laughs) I mean, in life and in the Gospels, in the Bible, you'll find that people have a wide variety of beliefs about Jesus. But it really doesn't matter what people think about him. What do you believe about him? In fact, he was walking with his disciples. He said, who do people say that I am? I said, some say Elijah. Some say a prophet. Has anyone ever told you, well, I think Jesus is a good teacher, but he's not a good teacher. He's not. If he was just a good teacher, then listen, he was nuts. If anyone ever says Jesus was, you know, I think he was a good teacher, but, you know, that's, we'll leave it at that. Well, look at what he said. I'm the bread of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. If that's not true, he's a madman. Let's be real. He's just, he's crazy. Look at what he taught. He taught he was God. I mean, if someone's a good teacher, they're not going to teach that, right? I've had some good teachers. They never taught that. There's only one who can teach that, and that's God, the Son of God. He taught things that were extreme and absolute. We can't look at him as a good teacher if we're not going to accept what he said, right? He was nuts. If what he said wasn't true, then he, he was nuts. But thank God he is true, right? And you can lean your whole life on everything he said. You can lean your whole person. You can stake your whole future on everything he said. Because he is who he says he is. And yes, he's a good teacher. But much more than just a good teacher, he's the answer for every issue of your life. He's the provision for every need of your life. Let's say that. Jesus is the answer for every need of my life. For every issue of my life. For every problem I have. Jesus is the provision. For my today, my tomorrow, my future. (laughs) Yeah. So listen, so what do you say about him? What do you believe about him? Do you believe that he's the answer for the stuff you're facing right now? Come on, bring Jesus into your present moment. Let him be God of your present moment. This is when life gets really good, when the person of God becomes my my answer for the present moment I'm in. You have to train your thinking in this. Because in the present moment, Satan will try and make you afraid and tempt you with thoughts that will discourage you and get you off of God's path for your life. But in the midst of fearful thoughts, anxiety, uh, discouragement, uh, wrong ideas about God and myself, you have to choose to, to reject and resist those. No one can do that for you. You have to begin to say with your mouth who he really is. 
right in the midst of feelings like of, of fear and uh, symptoms, whatever you might be facing, right in the face of that, open your mouth and declare who he is in your life to you. doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because only you are living your life. You are the one in your body living your life, going everywhere you go. You've got to experience God in your present moment, and you do that by making your mouth say who He is, regardless of how you feel. And then you worship Him in the midst of it. Lord, I worship You that You are the joy of my life. You're the peace of my mind. You're the victory of my future. You are causing all things to work out for my good. You are accomplishing the things that concern me. You have made a way for me. You have gone before me. There are no limits to the wholeness you've provided for me. There are no limits to the prosperity that's flowing into my life on a daily basis because you're my everlasting Father. This is how we live. This is, this is experiencing God in your present moment. Don't sit there like a bump on a log. Open your mouth and worship Him. Declare who He is. Grab a hold of Him. Take big bites of Him all day long. Hallelujah. Listen, when you actually begin to believe that He is the answer to your problem, that He's your healer, that He's your provider, hearing from Him becomes the priority of your life. I mean, if you basically think you've got this, hearing from him is like not that important, right? And we can get to the point where we basically think we've got this. You know, everyone's different. You may be skilled, more skilled in one area than someone else. But the, the, the truth about us is, apart from him, we can do nothing. That's just being honest. And I, I know parents are well-being, and, and you see celebrities telling young people, just, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. That sounds positive, but it's not true. That's the, that's the best, they're trying to be encouraging, but they don't know God, so they just let these things pop out of their mouth. You can't be anything you want to be. I'm a bullfrog. <laughs> It'll never work. Listen, I will never be the goalie for the Bruins. Never. I don't care how much I want to be a goalie in the NHL. It's not going to happen. Is that, is that a negative comment? It's true. The world has this false encouragement that will fill you with hot air and never do anything for you. And you'll go out into the world with this false sense of self that the world gave you, and your balloon's going to get busted. You've got to know who you really are and what God made you for. What you are called to do by your Father. That's what celebrities should be telling young people. What has God made you for? What's your divine purpose? What are you called to do? This is the focus we want to give young people. You were made by God and He has a divine purpose for your life. And in that purpose is the satisfaction like no other. That's where we want young people's focus in fulfilling their divine destiny. Becoming the person God made them to be. Not some false, flowery, hot air from the world. Now, are you ready? Listen, when you believe in Jesus, again, you remember what we said about believing in him? It's knowing that he is who he says he is. Knowing that he's done what he's done. When you come to this point, hearing from him will become the priority of your life. And you will begin to spend your time, your energy, and your resources on knowing him. And other people will think you're foolish. Let's look at this in Luke chapter 10. Are we awake? I don't think I ever asked you that, do I? Good. I hope you've been... Awake this whole time. Look at Luke chapter 10. Love this. Love this. Jesus in, in the home of Martha and Mary of Bethany. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. See, when you really believe in who he is, 
Not just, yeah, Jesus, Savior of the world. Okay, yeah, I'll, someday I'll, I'll, I'll. No, he's my healer today. He's the one who's filling every cell of my body with life and strength right now. That's, that's Jesus. That's believing in him. He's the one filling me with his life and power. He's the one speaking to me daily, giving me wisdom and direction. He's the, he's the one who has sanctified me and made me righteous. When you're believing in him like that, hearing from him is top priority. And you'll do just about anything to do that. Now it came to pass, verse 38, as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now this is Mary and Martha of Bethany, Lazarus' sisters, right? They're interesting to follow through the Gospels. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. All right, so now... Jesus, wherever he went, there was a ton of people, right? He was famous. <laughs> so Jesus is in their house, and Mary is sitting at his feet listening to him. It was a priority to her. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? See, when you have the wrong priorities, you have a wrong concept of God. You think he doesn't care. You're wearing your own self out, and you get mad at him. How, of course, he cares for you. But he can't, he can't make you pursue him. He can't make you choose to speak his word over your life. He can't make you run to him. He can't make himself a priority in your life. You have to do that. You, have, you are the only one that can make him a priority in your life. He can't do that for you. Martha was cumbered about much serving. She comes to the Lord and said, Lord, what's wrong with you? Basically, right? What's your problem, Lord? That my sister is sitting on the floor. And all my house is full. There are people outside. She's left me to serve alone. Listen. When you're not hearing from God, you'll get mad at people thinking no one cares about you. Let me say that again. When, you, when you're not putting your faith in Him, when you're not taking big bites of Him all day long, you'll buy the lie that no one cares about you. That you're alone. And others don't like me. That's a dead end, and it's not true. So Martha's uttering untruths here. Tell her to get up and help me. She's commanding Jesus because there's something wrong with him. Right? He missed it. I'm surprised she didn't tell him to get up. You and get in the kitchen, Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. What a different perspective you can have when hearing him is not your priority. And Jesus answered and said unto Martha, I'm sorry. Whew, what were we thinking? We're a couple lazy bones. Mary, get up. Let's go. Martha, Martha. He said it twice because she wasn't hearing him. Martha, Martha. You're careful. You're full of care, worried, anxious, troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. One thing is needful. Boy, is that refreshing. One thing is needful to hear from me. Is what Martha were those productive things that she was doing? Serving people? That's a good thing, right? That people in your home, you want them to be comfortable. So she wasn't doing bad things per se. But even good things aren't good compared to hearing from Him. You can fill your life with good things and pat yourself on the back and never hear from Him. 
And you'll be so proud of yourself that you filled your life with all these good things. And you've been doing this for 10 years and that for 20 years. But you're not hearing from him. Put the good thing down and sit at his feet and listen. You're careful. You're anxious. You're troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that. Man, he's saying, Mary is doing that one thing. Have a seat, Martha. <laughs> Listen, the devil will challenge you on this because he wants you to get up and, and do everything you can to make it happen. You got to do this. You got to get up early. You got to go to bed late. You got to give it everything you've got if you're going to make it in this world. You've got to pound the pavement. You got to be a go getter. That's the world talking. That's not the yoke of Christ. His yoke is easy and his load is light. One thing is needed for you to be successful sit with him, hear him, let him give you guidance and instruction for your present day life and your future. This is what believing in him, this is how believing in him looks. So tomorrow, make time to sit with him. I like what Jennifer, my wife, does. She made this little, little table and chair on our front uh, little deck there, and that's her time where she goes out and sits with Jesus in the morning. I like that. There's two chairs. She's in one, he's in the other. <laughs> Sit with him. Come on, we like going out and getting a coffee with a friend. Sit with Jesus. Man, will he thrill you. You can hear from God every day. You can hear the voice of God speaking to your heart every day. That's the one thing we need. If we are hearing from him, everything else will fall into place. What religious tradition has taught people to do good, do good, do good. Don't do bad, do good. And if they're doing good, they think they're all set. If they're doing bad, they're worried about it. That's a dead-end street. Life is not about doing good. It's about knowing him. It's about hearing from Him. It's about intimacy with Him. It's about being personally strengthened by His presence every day. Hallelujah. Now let's finish up with this. One thing. Listen, when you start living like this, people will make fun of you. Your own family. I, I, re, I remember this. I mean, mine was sort of more extreme situation, but I began following Christ, and, and that my family thought he's absolutely lost his mind. I mean, what's wrong with what you're doing? What? How could you? We had plans for you. We, did, we saw you as this. At one point they said, well, if you're going to be in religion, at least be in a religion that's respectable, that has robes and, you know, and beads and stained glass windows. I don't want that. I want, I, I want to take big bites of Jesus every day. I didn't say that to them, but <laughs> that would have probably been it. 911, come pick up my son. He's lost it. But listen, people who aren't doing this won't understand why you do what you do. There's like, listen, your clock's ticking. You need to get moving. All your friends are doing these things. What are you doing? You're doing what? You're spending time with Jesus. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> that doesn't put money on the table. Yes, it does. Shows you what they think, right? Shows you what they really believe 
good Christian soldier going to church for 20 years and not spending any time with him. Not really believing in him, not hearing from him, not making hearing from him a priority. Listen, when, you, when, he, when, when you're living like this, you won't care how far you have to drive to church. I'm serious, you won't care. If it's a fresh, hot Jesus church, where the fresh revelation of the finished work of Christ is flowing continually. And it's, it's funny, that actually becomes what's most important to you. And this, this might sound crazy to you, but you'll start making decisions about uh, where, where you live and what you do based on the church you're going to. Now you're really getting crazy. <laughs> Why? Because it's a lifeline. If it's, if it's the fresh stuff, not religious stuff, not condemnation, the gospel of grace, the true gospel. That teaches you who you are and what he's done for you. You'll actually start making plans in your life based on where you go to church. I, I, I've seen people over the years, we're moving to so-and-so. And they're moving there because the weather's great. And there are job opportunities there. I said, okay, but church is really not even in the picture. Where's your lifeline to the fresh revelation of fresh hot Jesus? Well... I'll go on the internet. There's something special about what's happening right here. And when you're, when you're hearing from him, you'll value this. And people will criticize you for it. I don't care. I need it. I need this corporate God-ordained gathering where we eat him. Look at John 12. Verse 1. Last passage and we'll finish. Then we're going to have communion together, Okay. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, hey, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, right? Who's his sister? Mary and Martha, whom he had raised from the dead. So they're good friends of Jesus, right? There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. They estimate, based on the denarii, that this uh, container of oil was worth about one year's wages. Okay? That's, 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 a, that's a costly oil of spikenard. Worth about a year's wages. How much you make in a year? That's what this is worth. Okay? She takes this and uses it to anoint the feet of Jesus. So you don't realize this yet, but I want to help you. When you come here and worship him, that's what you're doing. You're, you're taking the, the price of your time on a Sunday morning, the cost of your gasoline and the maintenance on your vehicle, and all the other, you're taking all of that costly uh, part of your beginning of your week, and you're coming here, and you're anointing and worshiping him with your worship and praise. I want you to start to see what you're really doing. This isn't a religious obligation or a ritual. This is about the feet of Jesus. This is about the person of Christ and experience him. Here she is. She's anointing the feet of Jesus with this uh, oil that is worth a year's wages. That'll turn some heads. And she wipes his feet with her hair. 911. Mary's lost it. See, you do things differently when he's your all in all. It looks crazy to other people. Listen, you're going to have to get a little crazy if you want to fulfill your destiny because he's everything you need. And if you're, if, you're, if you're letting what people think of you limit you and stop you, you're never going to fulfill your destiny. It's time to get nuts and follow Jesus. She wipes his feet with her hair. She's caught up in him. He's real to her. No one else is doing this. They're chewing on their, their spaghetti. 
And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. See, when you come in here and you turn your attention to him and you're worshiping him, it fills the atmosphere with the fragrance of his presence. And, and God sets ambushes against demons that were trying to stop you. It changes the atmosphere when you worship him. When you give him the cost of your time and your life, when you spend your time, your energy, and your resources on hearing from him, it changes things. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why has this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What a noble statement. Really, I mean, think about it. What a waste. She took a year's wages and dumped it on the floor. How many people could that have fed? Satan will disguise his schemes in good causes. Is feeding the poor a good cause? Yes. But worshiping Christ is greater. I'll say it again. Feeding the poor is a good cause, but worshiping Christ is greater. This, he said, not that he cared for the poor. There's a lot of deception that takes place, especially in politics, in the name of good causes. Not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. What she's doing is in no way crazy. She's got it. Boy, Mary, I kind of like this Mary, huh? I like it. She's made him a priority, Mary of Bethany. Let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always but me you do not have always. Do you value him more than quote-unquote good causes and what your culture says you should do? Hallelujah. Jesus wants to be the singular focus of your days and nights. He wants to be the one that you sing about, the one that you write about, the one that you blog about. He wants to be the reason for your social media. He wants to be the reason for the way you spend your time, for the way you spend your money and your resources. This is, this is a love that is, is about all of you. That's what marriage is. It's about giving your whole self to your spouse. This is what God desires of you. He wants all of you. Let's have communion together. Ushers, if you could get the communion ready. He desires all of you. He desires all of you. All right, one more scripture as we're getting communion ready. You can start handing it out. That's great. Thank you. Look what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 21 and following. This is a life changer. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wow. You can put that up on the screen, actually, guys. Verse Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is very eye-opening. Now, what determines where our treasure is? Who determines where our treasure is? We do, right? Sure. A treasure is whatever I choose to value, right? I mean, peanut butter is, is something I value. I like it. I like lemonade. I like good tires on my car. There are different things that we value at different levels. But Jesus is talking about a treasure that actually moves you to change your life. 
a treasure that actually changes the direction of your existence. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now look at this next verse in the King James. Can we put that up there, verse 22? The light of the body is the eye. He's speaking figuratively here. If therefore your eye be single, what does he mean single? If you have a singular focus on me, your whole body will be full of light. If there's any darkness whipping on you and you find you can't seem to overcome it, you need to just make a little change in your focus, little adjustment in your focus. Give your focus not to your symptoms, but to Jesus. When you have a singular focus of Jesus, your whole body will be full of light. He goes on to say, but if your eye is evil, he's comparing singular focus and evil. So to not have a singular focus is evil. Wow. <laughs> it's good to know what evil is, isn't it? It's Jesus talking. So he says, if your eyes sing, if you've got a singular focus on me, your whole body is full of light. If your eyes evil, if you don't have a singular focus on me, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We're going to continue next week here. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's cultivate a singular focus. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.